Left. Right. Yo, what's up? This podcast is all about fast food. That is, of course, until you make it to about the hour mark, and then we start talking politics, whether uh, we should have a voter ID law, what that looks like, and uh, find out why David wigs out. So uh, thanks for uh, watching this episode, and I'll see you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. All right, guys, we're live on all platforms. This is episode 126, 120 sip, 126 of Sip Talk podcast. My name is Justin DeGiulio coming from you out of my basement in New Jersey. I'm joined by James, the Bosnator Boswell, philosopher, accountant, bartender, uh, professional referee. Above me, if you're watching us live and below me, I'm joined by his brother, David Boswell, the political scientist, both of which have over ear headphones. I feel left out, guys, without the without the headphones here. We also both have hair. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel left out in the hair front. So uh, you, should. <laughs> uh, you can't make me feel that way. I feel my own feelings. Um, so we're going to talk about fast food for a little bit. I got a lot of comments on the fast food and uh, I want to share some of these comments, get a little uh, viewer and listener uh, participation there because there was a lot of participation. So I want to thank the guys who did comment on, uh, on the fast food questions. And then we're going to talk about working. From what home. was the question? Uh, well, I, I will read you. Let's see. Here we go. Uh, what's your, what's your favorite fast food restaurant? <laughs> I mean, these are pretty light questions. <laughs> what's your favorite food, fast food restaurant? Uh, how often is it okay to eat fast food every day, once a week, once a month, once a year or less? Um, be honest, when was the last time you hit a drive through and what did you get? And uh, and then just pick two out of uh, like 12 different fast food restaurants. The thing is, I'm learning is that people are naming fast food restaurants that like I've never heard of. And it reminds me a lot of when I'm when we moved to South Carolina and there was seven different uh, fast food fried chicken joints. And like the only one I knew was Popeye's and KFC before that. So uh, there's Bojangles, there's churches, churches, Zaxby. Yep. Zaxby's. Uh, what's, the one, what's the one on Samarit right by something Pecker, D.D. Pecker's? Dee Dee Pecker? Oh, that's that. That's not a chain, though. That's a chain. It's not fast food. There's multiple locations. It's a franchise of sorts. Well, and that's that's what we got to get into here. Is we got to differentiate what is fast food. Like the subway count as fast food? Yes. Because yes. because it is fast food, but it takes them fucking forever to make a sandwich. <laughs> or does does Pizza Hut count as fast food because it's not fast food, but it's prepared the way McDonald's prepares hamburgers? Pizza Hut's also fast food. Yes. Well, um. So. The reason that I wanted to talk about fast food is because I now have a new office location. Oh, Kyle Chips and Canes. Canes. Oh, good call, Kyle. That was one that I missed. But uh, 
I got this new office location and I can't find anywhere. Like, I don't know the lay of the land restaurant wise. And I keep having kind of these unsatisfying lunches at like legit spaces. And unless I want to go sit at a restaurant and have a real lunch, uh, I can't find anything that's, that's decent. And then there's Taco Bell and McDonald's and Burger King and uh, a five guys and, you know, some spots like that around, which I don't want to be hitting every single day, but I find myself waiting, you know, I eat breakfast at uh, seven 30 in the morning. And then by the time 12 o'clock rolls around, I'm starving, but I'm not ready to get lunch. Cause I don't know what I want. And then it's one o'clock and then it's two o'clock. I'm just like, fuck, I'm going to get some fast food. I, I, I can't even think anymore, but I'm getting frustrated with that. So I don't know. I just figured we'd talk about fast food and probably, I don't know if we'll end up in the end shitting on fast food or, you know, discuss That's where you always end up, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not on it. Uh, but first, first off the bat, I, I got a pretty cool drink here, but I'm curious what you guys are drinking. Then I'll launch in. I got a couple of bottles here to share. Uh, nothing fancy here. More Evan Williams. You get Evan Williams in a metal tumbler glass. Yeah, it keeps nice and cold. <laughs> nice uh is that it looks like a child sippy cup but like it has a sippy cup lid which <laughs> give me two or three more and i'll break it out for, for everyone's sake uh james james what are you drinking up there i'm drinking johnny walker black on the rocks and a bush ice and i kind of wish that i'd actually gotten the sippy cup from the the kitchen <laughs> so uh like, i i went it's like to- one of those like plastic like those pink plastic cut like juice cups that you give like a six-year-old yeah i'm familiar with the real sippy cup david's looks like the military issued sippy cup so i went to a little company retreat this weekend and uh, i was in maryland at this big hotel that they're restoring uh and uh i don't want to get too too much into the details i don't know how much i'm supposed to talk about yet because it's not ready but they had a rum company come over and do this great rum tasting great presentation i think there was six or seven different types of rum so I bought them all and uh, I was going to try a couple while we're, while we're live. I couldn't not buy them all because each of them, uh, each of them stacked up nicely. Um, but I'm going to start with a, uh, a white rum, which is just pure rum. It's got a little essence of rocket fuel. And uh, well, let's, let's open it up. Cause. So hydrogen little, and oxygen. I was a little toasted when I, when I had it, but uh it's got a almost a sweet but a fuelish smell to it. It's it's some strong stuff. It's pure. There's no additives to it. Obviously, she gave us this whole presentation. I'm probably I got some limes here. I'm probably gonna cut some limes and, and squeeze them on here. But uh, I'll give it a shot. It's been sitting in the trunk of the car, so the rum itself is at about 80 degrees right now because it was in the 90s today, and it just came out of the back of the trunk. If so- you have that amount of rum. For each of the six bottles, I'm really interested to see where this cast ends up. <laughs> this so. is a big glass, too. I don't know if you can see. I can't even wrap my whole hand around it. So, um, but let's. Uh, I probably should have tried it without the ice cube first. I had it the other night, but we'd had we'd been drinking for a little while. All right, I'm hoping that we make it to at least bottle four or five. But it's cool. I'll show you in the camera here. Um, and the woman was super friendly, very nice. Definitely knew what she was talking about. It's called Lion Rum. And uh, I believe it's made in Maryland, St. Michael's, Maryland, which is uh, nearby uh, where the hotel was. A well-known rum producing region. And it's uh, it's 92. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's obviously not a well-known rum producing region, but that's uh, <laughs> they had a few different spirits and uh, they kind of doubled down on the rum. They had they had whiskey and some other things, but uh, they, they doubled down on this rum. And it's, it's actually really good. 
it's uh very clean tasting and it's got a little sweetness to it but uh i'm not a big big white pure white rum drinker but it's good so i'll finish this one we got to talk about uh we got to talk about fast food why uh my my question right off the bat the, the headline of my notes here is why is fast food hated whenever i talk i I feel like back in the day, James, James, when we were kids, we used to ride our bicycles to to McDonald's. Like that was a high point, you know. Yeah, we get like a supersized fries and that was it. Well, we didn't know. It was like two bucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, But we used to do that. We were excited for it. We, you know, we weren't we weren't discussing the health benefits of of fast food. I don't think anybody ever expected fast food to be a a healthy option. You're eating fast hamburgers like it's you, your expectations. The extent of it, though, there's there's a difference in fast food quality. Though, let's look at Jack's Burger Sand and Wine and Skill. Compare that to McDonald's. Now, for our viewers, this won't make any sense, but Jack's is this teeny little shack. They do all their burgers from scratch, fresh, and they're not any better for you or any worse for you than McDonald's just in terms of calories and fat. But the thing is, if you leave a Jack's Burger on your table for a week and come back to it, it's not going to look the same. It's going to look moldy and disgusting and gross. <laughs> same cannot be said for McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's or any of the fast food conglomerates because the food is just so jack full of preservatives that it literally cannot go bad. So your so your first right off the, right off the rip, you're saying the preservatives in the food. I'm saying that it's almost not even real food and how much fake stuff is in it. The McDonald's flavors are actually pre-cooked in a laboratory to make things taste like that signature McDonald's taste. That's why you can't make a McDonald's burger at home. You can use all the exact same ingredients, but it's never going to taste the same because you don't have access to secret proprietary chemicals that they use. It's all fake. Secret, That's why I don't secret. like it. Look, I still eat it. Don't get me wrong. I, I still have a McDouble on occasion or a Big Mac. Especially when you use the app, and you can get two for five dollars. That's absurd because they're like five fifty. But I don't. But I don't. But but you just said you're eating it. I am. Right? You're I'm eating not saying it. yeah. But you also you right, before, right before you said that you he's tore, not saying he's happy about it. You're you asked a shred. question. Yes, you asked a question. Why do people hate it? This is why I hate it too. I'm not a saint. I still eat it. But, I don't judge people for eating it. But but here's but here's the difference. The here's the difference. Here's the difference. We we know it's bad for you. We know it's we know it's got a lot of chemicals in it, a lot of preservatives in it. There's next to all the nutritional value of any of the food that's any of the you know different parts of the food that come together to make a hamburger. Have, there's no nutritional element to it except calories and, and fat, basically, and and pure sugary carbohydrates. We know it's bad for you. People still do it and they enjoy doing it. But if you ask them, hey, you know, you ate McDonald's, we think McDonald's instantly. Nobody says, oh, you know what? That's one of the best burgers I had in a long time. It's really good. I love the familiarity. I can go to any McDonald's. It all tastes the same. It just brings me back to my childhood. Nobody says that anymore. All right. And I don't know if they I ever said did. that when I was in Spain. Hold on. So, but hold on. Hear me. Yeah, out. Hear me. Out. Let me finish. Let me let me finish here. Now, you take somebody smoking a cigarette and you're like, you know, those things will kill you. And they're like, yeah, I know. But. I just really, I really like it. I really like it. And, or you ask somebody who's, who's quit smoking, you know, and they smell a cigarette. They're like, mm, oh, man, I, I've given it up. But uh, but that takes me back. Let me let me stand right next to you. Well, let me draw a different parallel to cigarettes and fast food. And that is the the marketing where fast food markets really heavily to children and Kids are, you can't expect kids to be able to have good impulse control and fast food is designed 
to play to our impulses for what we want to eat. I don't and, expect Justin to have impulse control. He bought seven bottles of rum after doing one tasting. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I don't have much rum. I don't have much rum at the house. And uh, you do now. Yeah. And, you know, sauce like we'll see the, about later. Sauce like the more flavored ones. And I, I wasn't crazy about the flavored ones because they were a little too sweet for me. So I went. But you bought the, them anyways. Well, that way she can have them and we can serve he, we can serve he, them to guests. He has poor impulse control. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. I, I, I think people look at the marketing that you see fast food restaurants do, and they've tailed back on it in the last decade, at least because of the public backlash. But you can look at the marketing that fast food um, does and compare that to the marketing that cigarettes companies did back before they got banned from marketing to kids. Yeah, but it's still, the uh, you know, as a. Uh... The society right now, it treats fast food like absolute garbage. Well, because it kind of is. It, it is, but people still like it. And it not, not only is it not good for you, cigarettes will kill you and give you cancer. Nobody's really you might get fat from eating fast food, but but nobody's instant. You know, it's not like a leading cause of death in the United States. It's a contributing factor. Heart disease is like, yeah, heart a contributing factor to heart disease. But cigarettes are the leading cause of lung cancer and throat cancer. So, you know, we have different people have different opinions on cigarettes versus fast foods, but I'm just, I, I feel like even watching that movie, what was the fat fast food movie where the guy supersized me, supersized me. And then McDonald's dropped the supersize from their menu, which I thought was a little silly, but they were under attack. And I felt like that was really the first mega spotlight, like bat signal spotlight on the fast food industry about how bad it was. But I don't think that came as news to anybody. I think what Supersize Me did was, first of all, he he exaggerated the point, the, the, the process to make a point, because his rule was, I will only eat fast food. And if I'm ever asked to supervise, supersize my <laughs> meal, I will. So he deliberately chose the worst path forward exclamation point because but then but like, then how do you put there's times where like on, if you go to you and, and you're not super hungry else how do you put the blame on somebody else well i think what he wanted to show was this is the effect that it will have if this is all you eat yes but, and but, even but though his out, method but, was extreme it, it came out as like just crushing for the fast food industry specifically mcdonald's and they get they get like obliterated. No, they didn't get, it's a huge company, huge corporation. They get obliterated, but it it set. I mean, I'm sure their stock prices dropped like fucking thirty percent or something shortly thereafter. So it it no, but that was the effect that it had on them, as if as if they were the wrongdoer. You're asking for nuance in how America consumes media. You're not going to get it. Everything, especially in the last twenty years, has just been so twenty-four hour news cycle. You have to have something to grab the headlines. So, yeah, this was something engaging. It took something that everyone eats. Everyone in the country's had it, except for like ten people, and then it puts that in your face. And people say, "Oh, how can I get people to watch this?" And they gloss over James's much more nuanced analysis of, "Hey, yeah, he, this happened, but he took it to an extreme." Whereas this is, "Oh, look, McDonald's. Look what happened to him. Look at his heart." Because, yeah, yeah. The, the health effects were impactful, but there's no nuance to their analysis. They like, oh, my God, McDonald's, look. There's also the high school teacher who said, you know what? Look, I'm not saying McDonald's is good, 
but I'm going to eat only McDonald's for month two, but I'm going to stick to the 2000 calorie diet. Right. I wasn't was yeah. familiar with that one, but I, I would not be surprised. But yeah. you know what? The the movie of I'm going to stick to a 2000 calorie diet, like that's not going to be very entertaining to watch. Nothing, like the guy happens. put together a movie that was entertaining and people confused entertainment value for making a legitimate point. And I'm not saying that the movie was all bad. It brought attention to some things that probably would have taken a lot longer to be addressed if he hadn't made the movie. And now McDonald's has a 1400 calorie salad on their menu. So obviously they've changed quite a bit. I'm sure we're the highest quality locally sourced uh, produce to <laughs> synthetic lettuce, uh, um, which I would not be surprised on. Uh, but uh, I want to I want to hit these viewer and, and listener comments. I want to hit TikTok. Uh, Let Love Rain is saying fast food shouldn't be consumed on the regular. Uh, once once in a while is fine. That was one of my questions is, is how often. Uh, so we're going to we're going to call some people out on their answers. I promised to do so. Um, but how often do you eat fast food? The two of you. I, I eat it way more now than I ever have before since I'm trying to figure out what to eat. Go ahead, David. Well, lately, once every week or two. And that's in and out. I haven't had that any... is so good. I, I haven't had any McDonald's had or Taco Bell or any of the major chains we've already discussed. I haven't had any of those since I moved to San Diego. There's a couple really awesome little shops here um, right down the street from me. There's a kebab place, a couple awesome burrito places, a, a pizza place. We need, we need place. Big, when we're talking about fast food, though, and, and we can't do regional chains. we got to do kind of national chains. But, but, but in and out everyone knows about in and out at least even if you haven't had a chance to try it and for me california in and out is the fast food burger place for, for me so if i have the choice between an in and out burger anywhere else well that's where i'm gonna go and so uh, how, Sacramento, how, how often would you say yeah, once, every week or two. once every week or two i would say before coronavirus because all the restaurants in my neighborhood my work my former work neighborhood shut down the only things that were open was like uh, the only restaurant that was open for like two blocks was uh, Taco Bell. So I started eating Taco Bell. Then it was just a downhill slope from there. That's great. But, hey, uh, you're here. That means you must not feel sick and you must be feeling left out. Uh, but I would say before coronavirus, maybe once every six months, maybe, you know, there's okay. probably some times I go on a year just because I don't, you know, I'm not a big fan of fast food and I always feel guilty after eating it. Um, all right. Why so is for, that? Why is it? Yeah. Because, why do you feel that? Because I'm not going to go in and have a 450 calorie meal. I'm going to have I'm going to have a 1500 calorie meal. So that's why that I mean. Because it's question not, was why do people revile fast food? I think a lot of the reason if that guy did that 2000 calorie diet, yeah, he'd have that one salad all day and like yeah. maybe a little packet of apples. Then he'd cry himself to sleep because. it's hungry yeah exactly it's just and it's not it's not that feeling like you get a little full it's kind of like that chinese food feeling and and then you're hungry yeah it's empty calories your your body just doesn't your body digests them so quickly your body's not you know continuing to digest and there's There's very little real nutrition exactly the the nutritional yeah the nutrition has been removed from all the all the food okay so first question first is uh think deep what's your favorite (laughs) fast food restaurant and uh, I got from Ralph Home from Ellie Tem. I'm just going to read all the comments. I don't I don't 
I haven't pre-screened them. Ellie Tem says, Hamby, you never reply me. Heather Mickelson says, Wendy's. Ismi Jev says, not sure if I have a favorite. <laughs> Irma says, yes. <laughs> All right. Like I said. <laughs> <laughs> Irma wins. Uh, my, plan, my plan before the podcast, as it is most of the time, is to... Uh, <laughs> is to like you know jot these down on paper beforehand so we're going to go through them uh, uh as you know as they appear jay carlo says in and out burger which i noticed we, we i didn't didn't think of because that's mostly west coast right i don't think we have any yeah of yeah it's exclusively west coast they haven't really expanded outside of a state or two uh and then uh uh Sanner says kfc and taco bell and i think you can get that in one location in a lot of places right a lot of places the same, same. They're owned by the same uh, yeah. Yum brands, right? Yum, uh, probably Kentucky Fried Taco. Um, they have that. They have the great <laughs> the naked chicken chalupa. They, uh, they. You can't come up with something too absurd. I think. Yeah. Someone, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. We'll like, talk. What if I got a burger and put it between two Krispy Kremes? Like, fucker, that was at the state fair two years ago when the stand-up comedian said that. Right, we'll we'll get to the crazy food items in a second. Um. Uh, I Graham says Chick-fil-A. Megan this is Meg says nope. Duncan. Uh, Emily KJ says does Panera count? Phil Phillips said Chipotle. Yes. Yeah, all I'd say all fast casual. So like Chipotle, Panera, Five Guys. It's got to be a place. <coughs> it's got to be a place that like you can you can get the food to go and eat it while you're walking down the block. I think you know is that is that a reasonable. No. Well, no, it was like um, try eating established- Panda Express while you're walking down the block. It's not going to be easy, but it's still fast food. <laughs> and we established that ordering from Pizza Hut or Domino's is fast food, but it's hard to walk down the street with a box. One slice. So would that make? Would that make? Yeah, but you Papa- can't order a slice from Pizza Hut. Would that make no, Papa John's? Would that make Papa John's fast food? It yeah, make Papa John's food. <laughs> so and and does that make a couple bars across here? Um, so is Kyle says Chipotle. Is any pizzeria fast food? No. Okay. No, fast yeah. food has to be like kind of a franchised chain. All right. Okay. So let me hit the rest of these. My favorite fast food restaurants. Morelli says Wendy's. Uh, in Champs, we trust. Brian says Taco Bell. Uh, Ali D says Shake Shack. Lisa, probably Panera Bread. But Culver's is a close second. I don't know what Culver's is. You guys have Neither. a Culver's? No. Mercy, Mercy says IHOP. One says Chick-fil-A. One says Chick-fil-A. One says Chick-fil-A. He's very passionate about that. Uh, it's very passionately says, wrong. Uh, well, att- it's a mediocre sandwich at best. Well, I would say it's actually. It, would you consider good. IHOP to be fast food? Because I don't. I wouldn't consider it. It's a, you, it's a, you can't. There's no to go option in IHOP. Yeah, there. Well, there is, well, but not but, any different than than a, 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 a what is it called? Waffle House. <laughs> it's call it um, Waffle House is not fast food, and I love Waffle House. <laughs> um, all right. Next question. Uh, how often is it okay to eat fast food? And we got. Uh, put this out a couple of hours ago only one person said every day <laughs> uh and then i got once a week 12 once a month 13 once a year or even less 23 so it sounds like the, the 
the majority, almost 50% of the people are saying once a year is okay or less. I'm going to have to side with the people that are between once a week and once a month. I think that that's fine. Yeah. I, I think once a week is, is probably fine. Uh, I mean, it depends on what you're eating also. And then uh, I got, let's be honest, the last time you went through a drive through and what did you get? So uh, call me. Matilda says today I got a strawberry lemonade. She didn't tell us where she went. Uh, Ralph said 10 years ago. That's a long time not to go to a drive through. Uh, Ellie Tim says two years ago and it was a KFC. So I get it. If you're in like New York City, there's no drive throughs. So, that, you know, it's, it's not a good option. Uh, Brandy says yesterday, chicken strips and fries from Canes. Javon says last week he went through a drive through and got pancakes. <laughs> um, I, I didn't know. I mean, I get you can get pancakes on the McDonald's breakfast breakfast menu. So it's a possibility. Yeah, no, it's just an odd thing to think of going through a drive through for <laughs> I, just driving with your knee. eating pancakes. <laughs> um, Adam Sindaban said nine months ago, McDonald's. Uh, I've known Adam to uh, order order McDonald's for delivery so he can eat breakfast in bed. So uh, he must have turned over a new leaf here. Uh, it was nine months ago. I don't know. I yeah, let's count back. Lately. Count back uh, nine months. Aspire to be says, does Starbucks drive through count? It definitely does. Zmeg says, bacon, egg, and cheese last week. Morelli says, I can't remember. I guess that's a good thing. I think that's probably a good thing, actually. Uh, Lisa, you know me, says, I went to Panera Bread yesterday and got a half chicken fantega panini and a soup. Soup, also a funny thing to get through a drive-thru. Um, and then Therese says, five years ago or more. And so uh, we got a, some mixed responses here. And uh, let's see, of the fast food. And then I just had people rate fast food. That's, it's really too complicated to, to not be able to, to narrow down here. But here's the list that I got on here. Let me know what I'm missing. I got Chick-fil-A, Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, KFC, Taco Bell, Arby's, Subway, Chipotle, Sonic, Pizza Hut, Jack in the Box, and Popeyes. What other national places am I missing? Hardee's or what is it? Um, Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. and Hardee's. Fuck you. I'm eating. (laughs) Is that from Idiocracy? (laughs) Uh, Carl's Um, Jr. and Hardee's. Can we can we briefly talk about Burger King? Because I feel like 15 or 20 years ago, they were actually pretty good and they have just taken a nosedive in quality. But also that Burger King is actually indirectly responsible for the career resurgence of Robert Downey Jr. How is that so? Do you know this story? I no, do. I, I, may, I may, but you have to remind It's not on the tip of my tongue. So it's not, my it's not something like, Burger King advertises. No, no, it's <laughs> they wouldn't. It, it'd be tough to spin from a marketing perspective. So apparently, like I don't know, twenty or twenty-five years ago, when Robert Downey Jr. was doing a lot of drugs and was kind of in like a, a tailspin, um, he was in like L.A. or something. And like the morning after some kind of a bender, kind of a night, he goes to a Burger King drive-through and gets some kind of a meal, and like is eating it in his car somewhere. And he said that the meal was so bad that it made him realize that he needed to turn his life around. 
<laughs> is that <laughs> um, one hundred percent true? Like, I'm probably not getting all the details spot on, but the general crux of the of the story is that he had a meal so bad after being on a bender. See, I usually find I'm questioning my life choices after I ate Burger King. It's usually about four to five hours afterwards. Yeah, no, this was during, but yeah. That's, that's bad. If you're a fan of Robert Downey Jr.'s movies, then you really should thank Burger King, although they don't want your thanks. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to search for that, uh, for that audio. I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but... Uh... I'll see if I can take something up. Yeah, maybe maybe you can screen share with us or something. Um, all right, do you? You're I, one of my favorite movies, and it's not a great movie, but it's it's one of the greats. <laughs> is uh, is Demolition Man? Demolition Man takes place in the future, and it's kind of this utopian culture, utopian society, whatever you want to call it. But it's it's like under attack by the people that are underground, and then they. You know, one of the, like the leading crime guys gets released from being cryogenically frozen. He just thaws out for whatever reason. And then they have to thaw out Sylvester Stallone, who was a cop. And he was the guy that took down this the bad guy back in the day. So then these two guys are kind of on a rampage going around the city. But and Robert Downey Jr. is in this movie. No, no. It's Sylvester Stallone's a movie. Not not a, not a <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. But it's a very good segue. Yeah, I'm glad we're staying on topic here. Because yeah. I was thinking you're going to talk about like kiss, kiss, bang, bang, or something. Yeah, I was hopeful. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a shared screen here so you can see. So <laughs> had a chance. Uh, all right, hang tight. Well, I will I load it. We're probably gonna get pulled down for like some bullshit copyright claim here. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. We'll we'll see. Uh, Are we'll you see. trying to play Demolition Man for the audience? It's it's just a minute. I, I, you gotta you gotta get this because because I gotta go get a new track. So um, yeah, like. I, I don't understand why we're doing this. All right. Well, here. Well, because we're <laughs> because Taco Bell takes over in the future. That's what happens. Taco Bell is. Uh, all right. So, what does this Taco guy anyway? He says I saved his life, which I'm not even sure I did. And my reward is dinner and dancing at Taco Bell. Tone is quasi facetious, but you do not realize that Taco Bell is the only restaurant to survive the franchise wars. So, so, now I'm going to pause that before we we do get fucking slammed for copyright. Uh, (laughs) But basically, Taco Bell wins the fast food wars. So now every restaurant is called Taco Bell in the future. Uh, I'm never, I, I've never won against Taco Bell personally. <laughs> it always feels like a loss. Um, so I'd got, say that, like in the realm of fast food, though, Taco Bell's better than a lot of other options. It's Taco Bell. So look, I got a bottle of Lion uh, Dark Rum. Going to pour a little into this glass here. I think that one's called Leon. <laughs> I think it's still Lion. Oh. Um, but uh, I'll enjoy this while we, while we keep going on, on Taco Bell. Taco Bell. So here's the thing about Taco Bell and a few of the other franchises is that they they come up with these crazy zany foods that I don't think anybody would like eat on a regular basis, which is why they kind of cycle in and cycle out. But they do prompt people to go and want to try them like a taco that's made out of chicken as the shell, which sounds disgusting to me. But I think. I think that's their game is they're trying to get people to come in and try them. 
I don't know. I'm going to say that like Taco Bell invented the chalupa. Like, they invent the chalupa, did they? Pretty sure that that was something they came up with. I thought that I thought the chalupa was a type of taco shell, type of taco, and they just kind of mass produced it. No, chalupa is a flat-bottomed boat. <laughs> oh, is it which, really? Which actually is very appropriate for what it is. Yeah. All right. This this uh, this dark rum is actually a little too sweet for me. Um, well, you should mix it with uh, some of the kerosene that you have. I should mix it with some white rum. I'm I'm gonna put a little lime in there and see if that uh, that helps at all. But all right. So let's let's we're halfway through. So <laughs> let's talk about working from home a little bit because I think that that might be a little bit easier to stay on topic. All right. Well, we talked about talking about Robbie Downey Jr. and then somehow segueing into Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> it's about Taco Bell. It's one of my my favorite movies. Uh, so, also, uh, I posted the link to the interview with Robert Downey Jr. talking about Burger King and his career resurgence. I saw that, but I was hoping we could we'd get a little audio clip. So maybe maybe in the next one, we'll see if we can throw that in there. Um, so working from home, you guys are work from homers. I am not. Tell me about it. Give me your perspective. I'm I'm neither for nor against it. Right now. I'm obviously 100% for it. I, I think I'm much more productive at home. I don't have to worry about other people in the office coming in. Like today, one of my coworkers talked my ear off complaining about stuff for 45 minutes when stuff was going on. And it made me feel rude for like addressing something at the same time when they're just complaining to me about something that has nothing to do with my job. I, it was I really have, distracting. I have a lot of distractions and, and, what I don't get is that a lot of times people have a whole conversation with me and we never make eye contact because I'm kind of working through it the whole time. If I was having a conversation with someone and they weren't looking at me at all, I would flip the fuck out. So, so I get it. What you're saying, the distraction thing and being in an office is definitely, definitely a big deal. Um, that's your number one though. You feel like you get more done because there's less distractions or you feel that's like you a, get the same amount done. I feel a lot more comfortable because I can play my music that I want to. Um, if I need to step away to the bathroom for a minute, I don't have to like, oh, walk on through. I don't have to use public bathrooms. I can cook breakfast here. I can. I don't have to go out and do lunch every day like you do. I have my kitchen. So if I take half an hour for lunch, I can cook a salad, reheat dinner from last uh, night. Dude, I will, I will tell you, being in an office, uh, and Jenny says, me too, I was. Does that mean, are you talking you were working from home? Oh, she was for it and against it. Um, the thing about being in an office is I have kind of a hard rule that if I'm going to get lunch on a regular basis from a place, they have to have a decent option under 10 bucks, right? Like it can't be tiny. It has to be filling, but it also can't be unhealthy. Um, but finding something in that's, that's a good, good lunch price. That's fair for midtown Manhattan. It's a bit of a challenge, but, but you know, it's not, you know, 10 bucks is 10 bucks. So, I mean, I remember when you could fill up your gas tank with freaking $10. So, you know, 10 is, is it's a decent amount of money. And I can't seem to find anything right now, which is why, you know, I'll end up going to these other places. But being able to get lunch at home, James, I remember when I lived, uh, you know, less than a mile, when I worked less than a mile from, uh, from the apartment and I could come home and cook lunch every day. And even though I worked in a job where you had to drive every day, I'd come home and I'd have a beer and cook some pasta and then turn around and go back to work. And, uh, you know, that was, 
that was great because pasta is cheap as shit. And, you, you know, I, I hated back then, especially being super broke, I hated spending money to have to put food in my body to be at work. It was really, really frustrating for me. Uh, and then I was at other locations where you got to pay for your lunch. So I'll give you that a big merit, you know, a big positive of working from home is that you can prepare your own food. You don't have to eat out. And I mean, you could, it's also just way easier to eat healthy because like naturally restaurant food is with very few exceptions, not geared for healthfulness. Yeah, that's entirely correct. (laughs) There's no question about it. If you, if you try to get something healthy at like a, a deli or bodega and they throw something on the, on the griddle there, they put like a third of a cup of oil just to get it started. So Well, if you go to a deli and you get yourself like a deli sandwich or whatever, that's not a terrible option. No, but but if you do it in midtown Manhattan, that's 12 bucks and it comes with a bag of chips and a soda, whether you get it or not. (laughs) Inside the soda, too. It's very weird to eat. (laughs) Um, Oh, so Raj has a good point, actually. Back in the day when I first started as a real estate agent, maybe this is like a little later in a few months into it, but uh, I used to. I used to be like super cheap. I would I would bring uh, a bag of bread, a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter. And I would eat that throughout the week, make my own sandwiches. Uh, but there were times when I was really broke and I would get a giant container of I went through two of them, which speaks to how long I was doing this because uh, not granola. What do you call it? Oatmeal, the big Quaker Oats oatmeal containers. I went through two of these things. Uh, so that's a lot of cups of oatmeal. And I used to put it in the paper cups next to the, the coffee machine and fill them with uh, with hot water and then mix some of the powdered creamer for for some flavor. And that was my lunch. So that's that depressing. It is. Dep- <laughs> and, you know, it was depressing at the time. And in retrospect, yeah. it was it was a bit pathetic. But, you know, it goes to show that, like, you know, living on a budget now, when I see like agents that we hire that are like, oh, I'm not making any money. I can't stick around. I'm like, yeah, bro. But you had a fucking 14 dollar salad for lunch. Like now you're losing money every day because you're just, you're not being smart with money. Um, but what Rosh was saying is that once I started actually making some money, I would treat myself to lunch. And what I would do is I'd go to the bodega where they have like the buffet. And uh, after four o'clock, they would market 50% off. And then I would get the crispy dried out food from the kind of edges of the buffet uh, food troughs. And that was only once you were making buffet money. <laughs> that was only once I was making buffet money. And I would get all the evaporated food because they, to charge you, they weigh your food. And obviously the crusty, crunchy, dried out food doesn't have as much, uh, you know, it's, it's dehydrated. So it doesn't have as much weight. I don't want to be paying so. for water here. <laughs> I mean, not to I can cook for me. <laughs> I can rehydrate this <laughs> back in the office. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, but but um, so, I, got the, so, I got the paper cups next to the coffee machine. We'll just go. So food cost is a big one. Food cost is definitely a big one when it comes to working in an office. Um, but and then in being interrupted, being interrupted well, in distractions. Even bigger, even bigger than the interruptions, distractions is commute time and commute cost. Well, I'm now commuting almost an hour and a half some days. There's a major train bullshit fuck up situation the other day. It was three hours and 20 minutes door to door. That's one way. So by the time I get in, got in, I was like, just you know, ready to rip somebody's head off. 
I yeah. So however much, however much you made that day, divide by your hours, add another four and a half hours. That's how much uh, you made hourly that day. Yeah, I, I made zero dollars that day. So, <laughs> well, good. Then you didn't well, waste no, any so time. The the commute thing is huge because like I recently turned from working in an office five days a week to working fully remote, and I'm saving five hours a week plus by not having to drive. Um, and it. it it's less stress and better for the environment because I'm not burning gas. Well, I'm, I'm now taking the train and I was driving for a while and that was way faster. It was like 45 minutes, some days, some days, an hour. But um, you can't use the computer and you can't be on your phone as much because you're, you're actively driving the car. And so you can be on your phone a little, but now you're driving, especially with traffic. But now that I sit on the train, even though it's almost twice as long some days, I can bring the laptop and actually get work done. And it's a bit more of a relaxing commute. Uh, Yo, I want to fire this off to, the, to our listeners because one thing that we've been seeing recently now that coronavirus is quote unquote coming to an end. Um, it's and simultaneously a lot of co- coming to an end and coming back. But yes, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, and that a lot of companies that implemented work from home policies are now starting to dial them back. One thing that made a lot of headlines earlier this week was Google put it, like out a, a pay calculator for its work from home employees showing that they're going to be docking pay for certain people that are working from home. And this got a lot of negative reaction and I can completely understand why, but I want I want to see what people how people weigh in on this one in terms of like as the owner of a company or as a company, like, should you continue paying employees the same amount that they were getting paid when they were in the office? Now, like, and the reason as they are when they're working from home. Well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the answer right there. And I want to hit Jenny's comment where she says, I need human interaction, which I think is important. And I, I like the hybrid model. I think a lot of companies, if, you know, at, at the, you know, best bet for them would be to do the hybrid model. That's probably but, where it ends up settling for most companies. But here, here once a week. Here's here's your answer, James. Um, if you're working from home, you're more easily replaceable than somebody who must be in the office. And I'm not and I'm I'm not saying that the company requiring you to be in the office means that position can only be done at the office. But what I'm saying is that if you're doing it remotely, you're more easily replaceable than somebody who has to be on site. A mechanic's job is not something that can be done remotely. There's no question about it. But at a certain point, you get so replaceable that your company can outsource what your job is to India or the Philippines, you know, or somewhere in Eastern Europe. And it's it's not going to cost them as much money. So if they're offering you less money, David, I'll give you a say if they're offering you less money, at least they're letting you keep the job. To the outsourcing point, I actually had this conversation today and James will follow up on this tomorrow in terms of some stuff for you to do in accounting world. But uh, we outsource the uploading of certain, let's call them uh, accounts receivable, uh, them saying, hey, this is what we're about to send the wire. Does that look good? Okay, then we get the wire. We pay, we're currently a company in India to upload those, they're called purchase advices, PAs to our system. And we pay them not a whole lot less than we pay someone here, again, in India. And they just fuck everything up constantly. Uh, We have a new accounting guy in, Rob, who's going through all the last two years. And the amount of stuff he's turned up is just egregious. And James, that's going to be a project for the coming weeks. Anywho, 
outsourcing has its benefits sometimes, but it's also really costly if they screw up because guess what? Yeah. I mean, they're in India. Where you're but do what's it? it, but what's it, but what are you going to do if you live an hour away? You're not going to, your boss isn't going to go to your house and be like, you fucked <laughs> this up and, and then just beat you. You know, they're going to find somebody to replace you. So same thing goes in the market where you're, you're going to India. You're like I said, going to the Philippines or wherever else. That's I'm saying this is someone who's at the company before COVID, they were working in the office. They went remote. They know the job. They don't fuck up. Why would you replace them with someone from India that's going to fuck up if it's a little bit cheaper? Because I don't think it's going to be a little bit cheaper. In fact, so, I know it's going to be a lot, a lot cheaper. I want to. Well, hold on. Let me let me let me ask this question. So a lot of like large companies that have locations across the country. So some of their locations are in high cost of living areas, and some of them are in low cost of living areas, and so. You could have the exact same position in Kansas City paying 20 or 30% lower than the same position in San Francisco or New York because the company will adjust the salary for the area's cost of living. And so what you've had a lot of people do is like, let's say I worked for, I'm just going to throw, since I already said Google, let's say I worked for Google and I was living in the Bay Area. And I was getting a cost of living adjustment where my base salary was to make numbers easy, 100000 And they threw me an extra $20,000 a year for the location. COVID happens, be, you'd, everyone... You'd still be homeless in San Francisco. Yeah, you'd still be poor. But like, I'm just making numbers easy, man. <laughs> I know, like, I know. But I wanted to get a dig in San Francisco. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Screw San Francisco. <laughs> but, um, let's but and so now COVID happens and everyone works remote so I no longer have to go into my office in San Francisco I can I can work from home so I look at it and say why am I paying San Francisco rent and San Francisco prices when I can work from wherever so I move out of San Francisco now I'm living in Idaho for one-third the cost and I'm still making the 120,000 because that's what I was I was I agreed to and they agreed to pay me. But like is it fair to basically claw back the high the cost of living adjustment now that you're fully remote? No, if you haven't moved. Well, look, but if you moved look, and you're fully remote. But right now we're, we have kind of two issues. One, there's so many people who are not working and in claiming unemployment and then there's so many available jobs at a certain point that that's going to work itself out right like the you know the the maybe that's well that's that's that a separate discussion work. a lot of the people yes. that are out of work right now are looking for jobs but the things but, that they're being offered are things like warehouse jobs or serving that's uh, the industries that have not recuperated yet those are the ones that are having the highest highest increases in hiring only reason it's the highest is because it was the lowest for so long because after people had a taste of, hey, yeah, a living wage on unemployment of $300 a week, if $1,200 a month made that huge of a difference for you, that should prompt a conversation about the wages we're paying our workers in the well, country. Uh, let me, let case, me tell you something. Nobody went from having a job to making $1,200 a month and was making more money. No, it's not okay. $1,200 a month. It's $1,200 plus unemployment. It was 300 extra per week payout. No, on top at one point, it was 600 Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I, I was going to say, but the 300 okay. So, you, but it sounded here, 300 a week. Here's my, here's my point, though. Companies should do whatever they're going to do. Okay. That's and, good. Good advice. I, I'm going <laughs> to call my stockbroker and say, hey, implement this advice. People are going to do what they're going to do. That's my market outlook. Give me a plan. Um, 
But uh, I want to hit the two comments too in just a second. But companies are going to do what they're going to do, and I th- I think I think they have every right. What's going to happen is they're going to lose some people, and they may end up taking people remotely from other countries or wherever else. But at the end of the day, if you work for a company and that's what they want, it's not. It's up to the company, right? Let let that affect the company, and if you know the market you know, forces you out of your job because now you have to actually go to work, which is what you signed on for probably when you took the job. You, you know, most, most people were already working in the office pre-coronavirus. When I took but, my first full remote job, it was last summer when things were starting to like, hey, things are looking good. Before I quit and took my new job, they were talking about bringing people back into the office. And there's some pushback, like, guys, look, sorry, I know we hired you as a coach, but if you want to stay on, you're going to have to come up to Roseville. I was like, all right, well, I won't be working here anymore. Luckily, that didn't come to pass because it researched well, and got really bad. But I, I think what you're seeing is for, for the people who were able to go from working in an office every day to working fully remote, I think they're saying this is working for me and it's been working fine for you for the last year. Why do we need to change? Well, look, I've I've struggled over the last 11 years or so trying to work with people, new agents specifically, who wanted to work part time and remote. And I've never found a single one in hundreds and hundreds that I've interviewed and hired that have been successful. It, it just it doesn't it just doesn't work that way. And there's certain things that need. To, and again, this is a certain things argument, right? Depends on the job. Uh, K. Joe says, I work remotely and virtual events are very busy. I'm working for for London based companies, too. It depends on the culture of the attendees you are speaking to. Uh, well, Asian yeah. companies hire European and U.S. based companies. Uh, but. But it has a lot to do with the position, right? Like you can't you can't work from home and be a, a, a mechanic, right? Like it's funny you, you know. say that you had issues hiring agents for realty, getting them to work remote. Because at my company, which is agents going out and securing loans for our borrowers or securing borrowers to get loans for us, my company doesn't want them in the office. They want them out with customers. We have one loan officer who's in the office, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm just finishing some stuff up here," but. They want me out in the field talking to people. So it's funny that we work in pretty parallel industries and we have exactly different experiences. But there's some there's some things that you need to learn hands on. And also a lot of my business is you being available. So you go out in the field as much as you can, but then you're also back in the office. And when you're out in the field, you know, out in the field is different than being at home. Out in the field is not working from home. Right. And it's it's not working remotely because you are in the workplace there. You can't work from home and be in the field. Those are two different things in the office, in the field and at home are three completely different things. What I have is I have people that want to start start part time and aren't available for the training or aren't available to put the hard work in. That's, that's totally different. It's they completely don't know what the different. Fuck they're doing they're, they, if, if you're brand new to something, no, you need to be in the office. We flew my idiot brother out across the country for two weeks of training because we couldn't do that training remote. And Can I, you I, imagine how difficult it would have been to go through what we went oh, through in San Diego from here? Oh, yeah. It's totally fucking stupid. You need in-person for certain things. Yes, I 100% for that. Okay, but, but exactly. And what I think is, you know, each company is going to figure out what works for them by pushing people out of the company 
you know, who, who aren't happy with it. And then maybe they start re reinstating some hybrid policies or some work from home policies. But to uh, James's point, uh, I actually did learn my nine months at Finance of America completely remote. Everything I learned before I came to ISERV was totally remote. And I only had the four days, three and a half, really, after compliance in person in San Diego before I did everything else virtually. Uh, look, guys, because we're running out of time, I just opened this last bottle. This is, from what I remember the tasting, is the Lion Rum Sailor's Reserve. Which Bullshit. Is, which Are you is, getting commissions? No. Sailors don't, don't, sailors don't reserve shit. That bottle wouldn't have gone before they sailed off. Uh, but R- was- Rosh says virtual massages are out of the question. No, Rosh, those are still very much in play. Nine hundred numbers have existed for ages. But the sa- the sailors' reserve is is the best of the rums. The uh, like I said, that white rum is a lot like Rocket Fuel. It's very strong. It's a good rum, very clean, very crisp, little sweet, but it's very strong. The uh, the dark rum is too sweet for me. And in my opinion, the sailors' reserve. I'm just shouting out to. The- I didn't get anything free. I had to pay for the bottles, but. I thought I'd, I'd help them out, hook them up, and give a little product placement in our podcast. We'll tag them as well. So thank you for the presentation, and thank you for the, the bottles. Um, Sailor's Reserve goes down as my favorite so far. Not um, any lime to this one. Ultimately, so like when it comes to working from home, so over the past year, I went from working fully in the office to working fully remote to working fully in the office to working hybrid to working fully remote again. So I've kind of experienced every possible permutation there is. And I think it really depends on your personality and the job that you're doing. Cause like with the accounting world, like I liked being in the office cause it was easier for me to focus and I had better tools available to me. So even when we were fully remote, there was a, there was a point where I actually started going to the office, even though they didn't want me there. And I said, guys, I just need to come in. Um, but with this new job, I'm very happy working remote because the, the job duties are different. And I think it depends on what you're doing and it depends on your personality. And if you can turn out the same quality of work remote, then there's not much of a reason for you to go into the office on a super regular basis. But there's also in the business world, and Justin, you know this better than anybody, there's a lot of value to the interpersonal relationships that you form within the office and with your clients. Well, but that's that's how it works. And when you're there, you're gonna your people are gonna favor you because they see you every day. You know, the interpersonal, the connections that you make when you when you see people, and you know, there's no replacing that with with getting a you know an email from somebody or a text from somebody or seeing them in a Zoom meeting. It's not. It's not the same. I have people that want to interview uh, to join our company on Zoom, and I'm refusing to do it because at the end of the day, like I'll meet you on Zoom, but I'm still going to have to meet you in person to make sure like you're a normal person and you're going to be meeting with clients. You know, unless you propose this business strategy where you're just going to be fully remote and never meet anybody in person. But at the end of the day, it's like dating. Like how many Zoom dates can you have before you go on an actual physical date? And why do you, why are you going to do six Zoom dates before you go on a real date? Just, you know, why, why waste the well, fucking time? For me, it's dividing by zero. <laughs> zero over yeah. zeros. Doesn't well, much matter. Yeah. But no, like, I'm actually if all your girlfriends are imaginary. I'm totally opposed. I'll, I'll do 
I'll do like a video call on one of the dating apps. But if you want to do it, hey, let's do a Zoom date. For- no, no. If you don't want to walk outside on the beach with me for 10 minutes, I'm not doing a Zoom date. Look, every date of mine is a Zoom date. But that's <laughs> but that's <laughs> nice to be with you this evening, James. <laughs> I think you meant that um, they go not, very quickly. Yeah, that's not the joke I was making. <laughs> oh, well, either either way, um, but uh, but yeah, that's there's a certain element of being in person that a, a lot of things just doesn't translate. And look, if the company doesn't want remote workers, it's up to them. It's their fucking company. Yeah. So uh, you know, and like I said, that'll work itself out. If enough people quit, they'll decide. Hey, you know what? We uh, we got to start doing this other shit. Like you know, we gotta we gotta step up. Google's doing this. Twitter's doing this. All these cool companies are doing this and we're a fucking accounting firm or, you know, uh, uh, you know, some type of I, I can't think of other companies. I don't. Well, the old credit union I worked at as a financial investigator, they continually talked about how my, my manager who, who left for a bigger company that let him work remote. He said, no, we're, we're a really cool company in a lot of ways, but we are way behind the rest of the industry. I work from home on remote work and it is costing us talent. They were hemorrhaging managers because other banks in San Francisco, keep in mind this is Northern California. Fuck it. You're an hour and a half away. Come in two days a week. Okay. Exactly. And I think, and that's why I think that fair market shit is going to work itself out. And and so to your point about unemployment and people not taking jobs and certain industries struggling to find workers, that's another one where, this is just a, a labor a labor market supply demand issue where right now the demand for labor is higher than the su- supply well, and so wait, in order the, for the supply demand, like, the demand, the demand for-, for labor the the market's demand for labor is high yes. there's a lot of jobs that are unfilled yes. companies need to hire workers and the supply is low so when supply is low one of the ways that you in, you can increase supply is by increasing price. When you increase price, more people will start to provide supply as it becomes incrementally more and more worth it for them. So you're going like there was there was a post on the Charleston subreddit last week about a a pizza company in Charleston offering twenty three dollars an hour for a delivery driver, which is wild. Plus, they get tipped out. But they must be doing. Re- they they must have very high prices to be able to afford twenty three dollars an hour for delivery. I don't know, but because the point is that on a, the market on a is low... starting to respond. In that places are realizing that they can't get away with paying wages that they used to pay because people won't accept them anymore. Well, here's what's happened. Okay, is that you can be broke and still have a nice car and an iPhone. And by bro- I, actually, I should I should change my terminology. You can be poor because there's a difference between being broke and being poor. Um, and you can have the state of the art things. Uh, James, you can shout it out if. Uh, oh, no, know. I don't remember it. Like I, I would give them props for offering good wages. Like I can look up the post, but, but it, also, it, it's not like it's not a chain. It's it's uh, an individually owned place. Oh fucking a! We lost our. Uh, our stream here. Let me. Uh, all right, I'm gonna see if I can uh, reconnect. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Sorry, guys. Reconnect. I need another drink. Mine. Uh, we'll go a little bit longer. I've had a, a lot of rum rushed. Uh, no, that's good. I'm. 
my internet connection is super slow because my phone's trying to handle a stream while also searching things instead of being on a wired connection. Right. Well, we'll wrap in just a second, but I want to. Uh, no, it's fine. It's, I can keep going. It's OB Park Pizza Company. Park Pizza Company. Uh, um, and, and actually, now that I'm seeing it, the, the article has been updated and now it's eleven dollars an hour. And you can you can. Yeah. So fall, fake news. Sorry, guys. Um, but still oh, eleven dollars an hour was convenient that was so convenient as to when we were we were off the air well you know what at least i mentioned the name off the air too so that way <laughs> nothing happens yeah yeah uh all right well look uh we're we're we just got booted from the online sphere here and i don't know if uh if that's gonna let us go back on but uh all right but you understand what I'm talking about in terms of how if you want to increase supply, you increase price. You understand that, right? Wait, what do you mean? Incre- oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. Typically, when they're ta- you're talking about it, you're talking about it from the other perspective. But if you want to increase the supply of workers, which is basically the demand for work. Well, if you increase supply, if you increase price, if you increase price, demand will go down. So supply will go up. If demand is steady and you increase price, supply will go up. No, I think yes. you, you mix them. I think you've mixed. No, them. no. You say if you if you increase the incentives, really, if you increase the price being paid by the supplier. No, I'm sorry, by the no. demander. The if demand is steady up. and price price goes up, supply will rise. Yes, because demand is on the employer side and price is wages. Yes. Yes. And then uh, supply is workers. Yeah. So if you increase price, demand will go down. If you have to start paying $100 an hour or whatever, you're going to hire a lot less workers. So demand goes down. Demand for work goes down when price goes up. And supply will go up because more people are going to be willing to work at $100 an hour than $20 an hour or $10 an hour. Uh, this week, for the first time, your, what was it, either median or average, they are different. Uh, salary for someone working in food and bev or retail broke $15 an hour. Well, that's good. And bro- the median broke 15 Or average, I can't recall. And again, it's important, the difference, though, because... It is very important, the difference. I can't recall which. I'll look it up. Politician says, <laughs> "I don't recall." Um, um, all right, so real quick on our way out, are you guys are you guys familiar with the this new voting? Uh, this I think it's a Republican backed backed legislation that's coming through about the voting. Where uh, the United States? Which one of America? But which state within? No, I'm not. I'm no. I think I think it's uh, I, I think it's a federal bill. I I I just caught that. That's what I'm asking you if you guys had heard about it. I caught We've the heard about a lot of these things, but you have yeah, to no, like, that's shotgun blast. There's no. Texas, uh, where you've got the Texas State Assembly Democrats who just said, you know what, fuck you, we're going to deny you a quorum. The quorum is the minimum number of people in a body to be able to conduct business. 
In yeah. most states, it's just 51 or 51% or just a bare majority. Tennis is actually a super majority. It's like 66%, uh, which is interesting because Democrats have used this to their advantage by saying, you know what, fuck you, and kind of like taking their game and walked home, which is kind of a shitty thing to do. But it's the only play they have left. Seeing how hardball the Republicans are playing, I don't blame them. I don't know how long this Well, is hold on a sec. So you're talking about, I'm going to take my ball and go home? So like the the democrats are really responding in kind here because the republicans like restricting voting is the first step of i'm going to take my ball and go home and the democrats are going to say not if we grab the ball first you know where my politics align on this issue is (laughs) i know but like what i'm saying is that like the i'm going to change the rules after i lost the game so that i won't lose the game again is is taking your ball and going home step one and the Democrats are fighting it by just taking a different ball and also going home. Give me a possible legitimate fucking excuse for these restrictions. No more 24-hour voting. Well, Why? you don't want someone getting drunk and voting at 3 a.m. Uh, no more drive-through voting and no more voting in outdoor facilities. You don't want someone getting drunk and voting at 3 a.m. <laughs> this is during daylight. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, but you said no more drive-through voting. <laughs> all right, all right. We're in Texas. We'll, we'll, we'll reel it in <laughs> a minute, though. You can make a good point against 24-hour voting because you have to man the polls for 24 no, hours. They're talking about they, voter they're... security. This is not talking about the cost of elections. They're saying that we need this to increase the legitimacy of elections. Give me a single reason why 24-hour voting cuts into the legitimacy of an election. But why, do we, need, why do we need a poll open from midnight to midnight? Okay, because you work a day job. Not everyone does. Some people work two shifts, and those two shifts overlap with the hours that everyone else is awake. So, so that if, you is open, not a good if you open the poll at 7 a.m. and you close at 8 p.m., who are you cutting out? You're cutting out the people who work second and third shift and are sleeping through first. Justin, you're not going to win this argument. Or people that work first and argument. second shift. If you work a double, like, so actually, you know what? I'm going to go, like, if you're food and bev, and if, you, if you're scheduled for a double, and you Sorry. have to be in at nine o'clock in the morning and you're not home until nine or 10 o'clock at night. That's a double shift. And that happens all the time. And you okay, might not be a, able to make it. This is the conversation we had the other week where you were actually very magnanimous about accepting, hey, actually, you're right. Sometimes I don't see my blind spots just on this. This is a huge fucking blind spot for you. And I'm going to cut off this argument because it makes you look really, really bad. Well, I, I, I don't think that you have to bend over backwards for everybody. I think if you open up a poll at six or seven o'clock in the morning, you close it. Justin, eight this isn't saying everyone has to be open 24 hours. This is telling people you're not allowed to be open 24 hours. Yeah, There's this is the difference, difference between here. mandating compliance with a standard versus banning the option to employ a standard. Well, if, when you're when you're talking about a federal when you're talking about like a, a presidential election. I don't think you should be able to have it different in Kansas and then different in Florida. And you are so Florida. fucking stupid. Every election, federal <laughs> or not, is run by the states, by the Constitution. That's my the point. Constitution, shut up. The Constitution specifically says that the elections will be conducted by the state legislatures, which is why they are different for every single state. Well, you're still voting for the, But we're all voting. Here. We're all voting for the same thing. That's like telling each car they get to pick their own speed limit. Justin, I don't care if for the safety of the occupants of the car. Thirty-seven years, this has been the case that the elections are managed by the state legislatures. That is who makes the rules. That is why it's so alarming. There's there's a hold up. There's a major difference between managed by and who makes the rules. 
Uh, no, there isn't. Derv, 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 slow down for Derv, slow down for a sec. David is feeling very uh, passionate about this. No, it's because you're very stupid. There's a major issue. difference between you're manager wrong. and owner. Okay? Because you're completely wrong. Because well, I can tell owner you, I'm and just, manager Derv, and Derv, the same Derv. They certify the results. You feel, I can't. You, I'm not you feel very, you feel very I'm not passionate about this. It's not passionate. It's your 100% wrong, Justin. Oh, You're getting the facts Derf, wrong. Derv, let me let me try and 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 smooth this over a little bit because I see where both of you are going on this, and there's there's a way to get to the end that we need to be at. You do that. Well, I don't I don't know maybe the Constitution as well as the next guy, and by the next guy I mean I probably know it better than the next guy, meaning I know very little, but I could figure it out. But James, sorry, go ahead. So to Derv's point, the, the, the federal elections, nominally the presidential election, is managed by the states. The Electoral College, each state determines its own method for selecting the electors that they're going to, to send. Part of that entails each state gets to make up their own voting procedures. And so saying that it's different in Kansas as it is in California or New York isn't really saying anything because it's always been that way. Well, if you get to make up your own procedures, that's different than managing the procedures. So that's where. No, it's the same thing. Well, look, if I tell if I have three departments in my office and I'm like, all right, guys, I need you to do this. You can you know, you you report to me and kind of manage what's going on. Or I have three departments. I'm like, all right, you guys make up what you do. I'm, I'm the James. James. No, so no, that, that's not a, that's not a correct analogy well, because that's, this that's is going I'm... to be this a better analogy would be, hey, I need all of you. I need to get each one of your departments. I need to get your opinion on the direction that the company is headed. And I just need one decision from each department. Well, so accounting, HR, marketing, R&D, sales. I care about each one of your opinions. Each one of you guys gets to have one vote as an input. And I don't want to know what every single person in your department has to think. I want to know what your department as a whole has decided. And so each department gets to decide how they're going to manage coming to their eventual decision that they're remitting to you. Exactly. And each each department has the same amount of weight and they're all voting on the same thing. And this is why we have so many issues in the United States when it comes to voting, because you have Tennessee and North Dakota and wherever else that have these crazy laws. And then you have California and you have New York and Vermont. So so the issue. So really where you are going with this is that it would be better to have more consistent federal election standards so that way, states were consistent across the board in terms of how they conduct elections. Yes, but I don't know if you can do that. It sounds like that. that you totally can. Well, no, you can't because constitu- you have to have a constitutional amendment, James, because right now the Constitution says that the delegates, the electors are selected by the state legislatures. They are keyed with the, the responsibility of setting the election rules and how the election is handled, which is Voting Rights Act is 64. The Voting Rights Act of 64 did some of that. Eligibility, but it's still state legislatures that determine the electors. You said yourself, so that is constitutionally mandated. Well, I, I guess. All right. Well, so, look, I mean, so if you, I don't, I don't, I don't care if Vermont says we want to have 
our polls open 24 hours and Texas says, you know what, we, we want to have our polls open for six hours during the day. So he, uh, all right. So, but, but all let's the Texans have way. to agree on that and all, and all the Vermonters have to agree on that. Okay. So let's think about it like this, depending on the conditions that you set forth, you're going to get different results on the back end. So if you make polling places more or less available, if you make, for example, let's say that you've got a, a county like Houston, that's got like that whatever county Houston is in, like you've got three or 4 million people that live there. And you were to say, we're going to put up, we're going to have one polling place for the entire county. You've got three or four million people that all have to go to one place. But but they have the right to do that, right? They would. It sounds like they do. But what I'm saying is that if you make it so that it is harder for people to vote, if you if you um, this is the whole idea of equal on its face, but not equal in result where you could have. Let's 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 just call let's talk about something more tangible the voter id law we did two weeks ago okay so hold on whoa, whoa. Let, I, I i i got this so with voter id laws if you make it so that you have to have some form of id to vote then you're going to oh, you be have exclu- to have you have to have id for virtually anything else in life Anything Except when else. you're born in the you middle can... of fucking nowhere and you don't have a truck, you never went to school, you don't know how to read, and everyone in your town knows you. First, first of all, people. first of all, do you know how uh, marginal this population is? That doesn't have a vehicle and hasn't gone to school. It's oh, not that marginal. That, also, it doesn't fucking matter because you're saying that their rights are less worth less than mine or yours, and that is a shitty position to take. That is oh. saying some person's votes are better than others. Which I is think really, I, really close to what you have from what's the name of the fuck? So you're so you're advocating uh, Elgy. You're said, advocating only people who have kids should be allowed to vote because you know. Hold up, hear, hear me out. You're advocating yeah. for somebody in 2021 who has no vehicle, no yes. education, and yes. can't and can't read or write. Yes. Okay, and you want that person voting on the president of the United States? They vote against the way that I want to vote, but it's their right to vote because that is in the Constitution. Yes, the, the alternative right is worse. Vote. The alternative is worse because as soon as you start saying these are the people that can or can't vote, then you're going to allow for one party to how start do these drawing people do a- anything else in life. How, do, how if they wanted to register a vehicle, how would they do that? If they wanted to fly. How would they do that? If they wanted to go buy liquor, which you can bet your ass unless they're banking in their bathtub, they're buying liquor. How are they doing this without ID? OK, because so they're not getting really- ID at the liquor store. <laughs> because the idea of the liquor store is actually a really, really racist conjecture that Justin put forth there that all these poor people are all just out drunk and drinking all day. And I can't help but think you're talking about Southern black people. So we'll leave that for another thing. Anywho, I don't no, think race a, plays a role in that. Ooh, but, I don't know. Because I was actually hmm. thinking of white people uh, in my mind in uh, over. It doesn't matter. 70 year old Mima. She can't read. She can't do fucking shit. She can't drive. You don't want her driving. I want her voting a whole lot more than I want her driving. I'll tell you that. Let's keep the idea out of her hands. The, the whole thing is like voting. Uh, here, let's set let's set a definition. Hold up. We have to be on an even playing field when it comes when it comes to anything because we're not talking about you or me 
We're yeah. talking about everyone. We're not talking about one person or the other person. We're talking about you and me. So there has to be a level playing field. And at the end of the day, it's 2021. All right. You can get toilet paper to wipe your ass that gets dropped from a, what do you call those things with the propellers on them? Drones. You can get, yeah, you can get toilet paper dropped on a tough drone. Word. In uh, it is a tough word. Say um, something about drones yeah. and Justin and in certain the locations, same level of critical analysis in certain locations within an hour. Within an hour. So if if you can't get an ID, then you have bigger issues. Yeah, you probably do, but that doesn't mean we should be taking away your right to vote. Well, you right. have to you have to protect the sanctity of of. You know the uh, the right, what saying, whoa, 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 whoa. James, stop. What Justin's saying is that you really need people to be able to read so they can vote, which is the same shit they did for Jim Crow laws. So just think. But about how that could you vote quick. if you can't read? Okay, you can recognize so, the name. Yeah, uh, even if you can't read, you can still recognize the name. Justin, I want you to internalize. You're currently advocating for Jim Crow laws and the policies that they just take. Take a second and breathe that in because you are saying the exact same things. I think. Having do you want to poll tax next? You have to pay five dollars a vote. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you? What if you, your grandpa? Can you vote? call Durf, free. Durf, Stop. Do you call movies Why? that are rated R racist because you you got to show some type of ID that you're over eighteen? When when was the last time you showed ID to go into an R-rated movie? Uh, well, I when I tried to when I was sixteen years old. I don't know if you remember going to the movies at Crossgates Mall when you were a kid and you're like, oh, fuck, I hope we don't get ID'd. And then you did. And you're like, oh, shit, we can't go to this movie. We can't buy the movie. Yeah, no, I remember going to the Jackass movie at age 16. We paid somebody that was like 22 to bring us in. (laughs) But there's no racial element to it. It's just the fact that you got to you got to have a certain proof. You're not okay. I can't get certain services put put in my name unless I have you know, I can't get a license unless I put uh, I show proof that I have a water bill or a phone bill or cable bill or something like that. All right. Can we back but up for a second? The, the hurdle, there's, there's the hurdle one... that you're asking people to, to step over is something you wouldn't trip on if it was midnight and all the lights were off. It's not. But a that's hurdle. because we're privileged. You're talking. About we're not. We're not privileged. Right. We're not privileged. Yes, we right? are. We're not. Yes, we are. We're all white cis men in America. Don't fucking say for a second we're not privileged. We have gotten away with things. Justin, what was the episode where you yelled at me saying, hey, don't talk about that. James said, don't worry, statute of limitations. I guarantee you, if you're black, there have been a lot more issues that came up from that or any of your other number of we're talking relative. We're talking relative to we're talking relative to the laws when it comes to IDs and voting. Oh, well, let's just talk oh, about. Hold on. No, we're not. James, I, I'm curious what James has to say. No, I want uh, we, we've been missing something that's really key here. That Which is our private entity and kind of, um, voting as a constitutional. No, right. that's actually where I'm going with this. Actually, it's just if you would let me talk. Well, I wanted to sound smart and say what you're going to think. Okay. So, in this country, there are very few things that are given to citizens as a right that cannot be taken away. Voting is one of them, with very few exceptions. Now, so how do, you, how do you vote? What, how do you protect? If I want to go vote, what do I do? I have to be registered, right? Right. I have to register to vote. Yeah, you have to register to vote, which is okay. that's so a separate discussion about like the whole process of registering. Sure. And that's and that, I think that's even more along the lines of the Jim Crow laws prohibited people from actually even registering. But you have to register to vote. So that's a bit of a hurdle there. But so you're registered. Mm-hmm. 
you go to your polling station. Then what's next? Well, they check. You say, hi, I'm Justin. And mm-hmm. they, they look to see if you're on the list of people to that are in the county or whatever that are registered to vote. And they say, all right, Justin DeGiulio is on the list. You say, you're Justin DeGiulio. Okay, cool. Go vote. Now, what's, what's protecting my right to vote? What if somebody else goes there and says, I'm Justin DeGiulio? What if seven people go there before me and say, I'm Justin DeGiulio? Well, there's one ledger. Yeah. So if someone has gone to the polling station and said, I'm Justin DeGiulio, I want to vote. And when you go there and you say, I'm Justin DeGiulio, I want to vote. That's going to trip some problems and people are going to say, and that's going to like whatever precinct in you, they're going to say, Hey, we need to figure this out. So, so, so but so what's protecting my right to vote? So what happens no, here, with no idea. No, I'm, I'm taking lead on this. So what happens here is let's say that you go to the precinct and someone has signed in your line at that ledger book, because when you register vote, you're assigned to a precinct. The precinct that you're assigned to is the only one that will have your name in the book. So you go and you sign and say, Oh shit. Someone else signed Justin and Julia here. Guess what? You're going to sign what's called a provisional ballot. You get to submit your vote. There is a hearing for all provisional ballots. If you're intent on on preserving your civic responsibility and making sure your vote's counted, you can show up to that court hearing and say, I am, in fact, Justin and Julia. This is my vote. Here's my provisional ballot. I don't know who signed this. By the time that hearing hearing happened, the president will already have been elected. It doesn't matter because if your vote didn't, that's the thing. If all the provisional, let's say it's 100,000 votes to 75,000 votes. That's the difference. So $25,000 difference. Vote difference. Sorry, I talk about dollars all day. 25,000 vote difference. If all the provisional ballots are only 20,000, well, no, your vote doesn't get counted because doesn't matter because I understand, it doesn't change. I understand what you're but saying. if it's 30,000, yeah, they're counting every provisional ballot. And if you go to that court hearing, your vote will be counted. Let me ask That's you how this, they David. protect your right to vote. Let me ask you this. Now, I, I get it. It's not protected by the Constitution, but is driving a car racist? Uh, driving a black, car is a usually, privilege, not a right. That's the difference. Driving is not a right. Driving is a privilege. Well, hear, me out. hear me out. It's not protected by the Constitution. Yeah, so but in order to drive a car, in order to drive a car, you have to get a license. Yeah. And what yeah. you're saying is that it's more difficult to have a, an ID if you're a minority. Justin, to James's point, you don't have there's nowhere in the constitution that guarantees you the right to drive your motor vehicle. But but we're talking about the the idea of having to get an ID. Right, but what I'm saying is that and what David and David was throwing racism around quite a bit, okay? Because you're advocating for things that are in Jim Crow verbatim. That's why you can't you can't compare it to Jim Crow in one respect and say it's racist because of that, and say, well, it's the same thing. But motor vehicles didn't exist during Jim Crow, so that's stop, 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 both of you. The comparison between voting and being able to drive is a false analogy. Because what I said, but driving what is I a said privilege is you that to, you have to seek. I said you, in order to get an ID, I, I, I think it makes sense that you, you should need an ID to do certain things. And David said, well, that's racist. And, and, and no, he it, said that specifically about voting. It's, yes, it's only racist when it comes to voting. But in any, anything else, it's not racist. Difference in application and effect. But it's still getting an ID. 
So he's getting an ID Difference race. in application and effect. Again, Justin, you can keep saying the same thing over and over again, but the fact is that this impacts people of minorities much more than it does for white people. So yes, it has a disparate impact on people of color. So then maybe we should look at the uh, getting an ID. New York City. I would agree. Has the New York City ID card, which basically if you, if you present to somebody, they just assume you're illegal. So it really hasn't helped anybody, but... <laughs> I mean, but when it comes to making getting identification more available to disadvantaged communities, I'm all for that. It is, it is a step. And I'm, I'm all for the New, New York, uh, New York City ID card as well. But all I'm saying, David, is that I'm saying getting an ID and you're saying it's racist if you need that Justin, ID to vote. And I'm, just I'm saying, saying it's what like you said it. earlier had really fucking racist undertones because you're saying we need to have literacy tests for voting. Which yeah, if you, is by definition a fucking Jim Crow era restriction on voting. Well, also I it mean, was you it can't, was, you can't well, separate up. those. But two. sixty years ago, being, do you know how many people who are minorities who are using TikTok on a regular basis and have smartphones and have flat screen TVs in their apartments and in their house? That red wasn't herring. the case. Going. Let's see where this is going. I can tell you it's a red herring. You can call it a red herring, but I can tell you, a, and, and fair enough, but there's a considerable larger amount of the population that have flat what screen that, TVs. What does that have to do with technology? What does that have to do with ago, you advocating for years ago, test. Whereas if you lived in a shack off the side of the road, there was a lot more people that lived in shacks off the side of the road, but that's going away now. It's going away now. What does that have to do with your advocacy for a literacy test, Justin? It's it's that you're you're advocating off of a platform that's a hundred years old, and I'm saying it's not the same platform no. anymore. No, 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 hold on. Again, this is a red herring. Because the point that, that we're trying to make is that, that when it comes to voting, it's a separate type of right given to people in the country. And by putting restrictions on it, well, you are depriving people of their right. And that's the, analogizing that's, it to other things that people commonly do, such as driving, the, is a false analogy. But that's but IDs are not. IDs no. are the same to driving as they are to voting. And IDs an ID. That's 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 one thing. The other thing is but needing an ID to drive versus needing an ID to vote is a false analogy but here, because but here, one of those is a privilege and one of those is a right. But here's the zigzag is that we're talking about the constitutional. Basically, it's it's uh, it's your right to be able to vote. But the zag here is that it's up to the states on policies. So well, that's why that, we're that's, having issues. That's why we're having issues, because there's, there's a zigzag here and it doesn't come back to it doesn't come back in line. Well, that's the shittiness of the Constitution. Yes, and that's that was intentional, I assume, on the Constitution. But that's why we're running into the issue. And I don't and, and, and I will double down on the fact that I don't think you can call an ID having an ID to go to the movies, not racist, but having an ID to vote racist. It's having an ID. Having an ID is having an ID. It's, it's racist both well, ways it's or not. neither way. It's, it's, racist, well, well, it's either racist both ways or neither way. No, it's not. It really fucking isn't because one is a is private it establishment. Either way or is one it racist is... both ways? I'm talking about having an ID. What I'm saying, all right, so the thing is, if you look at segmented by ethnicity, percentage of the population that has an ID, 
you will find that there is a greater percentage of minorities that don't have an ID than white people. Yes, of course. But that has to, I mean, that makes sense, right? Like, okay. So you're on board with step one. White people, people, white people are the first people to populate the United States. Well, no, no, just let me build this argument. Just let me build this argument. Okay. I'll let you, but so this is a time problem. More people that are white have IDs than minorities. I, I knew I would need three ice cubes. I brought well, three. Good. Ice. I knew I, I would it, need three ice cubes. I hope it hasn't melted yeah. too much. I'm going, on, I'm going on what would be four for Justin. Okay. But, or if you right. can read five. So you agree with premise one. Look, More da- people David, that are white have IDs than blacks. Hold up. David asked me if I can read. And I, that sounded really racist. No, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like the, the, the tonality of the question. <clears throat> Sorry, James. Let me start over because I, I obviously wasn't paying attention. I was just being a dick. <clears throat> Minorities have a lower percentage of people that have IDs than white people, correct? I'll agree with you there. Okay. So if you're going to exclude people who have IDs from being able to vote, more people from minorities are going to be excluded than white people. Yes, but here's the issue, is that if you're you're gonna say, this is the barrier of entry, it's not really a barrier. There's no barrier here, but you have to do this first. Like it's not impossible to do, everybody can do it. If you charge for an ID, there's a barrier. If you have to pay for an ID, if you have to find transportation to a DMV to go and fill out the forms or I'm not done yet. Also at the DMV, if you need to get an ID for the first time, you need to provide documentation to them of like a birth certificate and other things. Okay, hold up, hold up. You might not have that anymore. All right. So then so is so charging money is racist is what you're saying. You're saying I'm talking to I'm talking to James charging money is now racist. So it could be in certain cases. I'm I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying Maria says this isn't going anywhere. And I actually she's kind of she's kind of right. She is right. But here. But here's the I issue. I can be consensus so long as we're advocating. Here's the issue. It, It can't be up. It can't be up to David and I. And you have Vermont over here and then you have somewhere in the Midwest over here. And I'm not. My mind's not made up on this. I'm just making the argument that's out there. Right? I'm making the argument that's out there. David's mind is very much made up as 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 evidenced in the passion in which he portrays. I'm just making, you know, I'm, I'm not even playing devil's advocate. I'm playing Joe's advocate, right? Like I'm just playing. I know, but that's the thing. You're playing Joe Rogan's advocate when he's I'm, really. I wasn't saying Joe, Joe Rogan. No, I know, but I am because you, you, you idolize him and try to uh, adopt his mannerisms and podcast success. I want that too. Don't I, get me I wrong. Think, I think but what you're, you're saying is his, that, hold on. I think you're saying you're, you're just a bald guy with a podcast, but I, much. <laughs> I don't that's, follow that's much pretty, Joe Rogan. Just yeah, that's that's pretty much. You're about you're you're about an inch deep in a mile wide. I actually prefer the I prefer the NPR. I prefer the NPR podcasts. Over you've got day. a lot a lot of work to do to get up to NPR podcast level, buddy. First step is not advocating for a fucking literacy test. Then they might let you on. 
But I but you're calling getting an idea literacy test. And that no, literacy- you said you said earlier you 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 need to have people being able to read to vote, which is a literacy test. Well, it's a written it's a written exam. No, it's not. You gotta, it's re- you got to read, read the questions and push the buttons. Justin, and again, also the instructions. And also, all the right. For the record, Justin is again pushing literacy tests. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. I rest Lisa, my case. Hold on. Lisa says, "Whose fault is it that minorities are less likely to have an ID?" All right. On this point, <laughs> I'm the fuck out. Lisa, you can fuck off. <laughs> we'll we'll drop David on this. David is uh, James. You and I can uh, uh, wrap this up. That's fun. But David's very, very passionate about uh, about the subject. I don't know if he's, a, you know, I've had enough rum to drink, but I don't know if it's the alcohol talking or it's the passion talking. But it's both. And I, I, I think it is both. At the end of the day, it's 2021. The fact that people are up in arms about an ID requirement for voting when an ID requirement is an aspect of everyday life across the board. Yet not David, for everybody. That's but, the issue. But hold, up, hold up. David's calling it racist in respect to voting. But if I said, well, we need to see your ID to buy alcohol, you wouldn't say that's racist. When I say we need your ID to vote, you say that's racist. So you, that's a double standard. There's no question about it. Now, is having to have an ID, is there a racial element to it? Sure. Yeah. Is there an income element to it? Sure. Socioeconomic? Sure. Uh, Lisa, don't worry about uh, being told off by David. You know that James and I love you. And we do. The and we, it, no, truth, you know, Lisa's one of the OGs here. But yeah. the reason that we have David here is because he's a very liberal political scientist and i was very liberal i thought but there's two sides to everything and i'm not i'm not super republican and and super anti-abortion and super this or super that on the republican side i'm not but but i'm also not as liberal as i used to be and i don't think that having these agenda driven decisions make any and and david sounds like he's very much rooted in the fact that any id requirements are racist like there's a racial element to a lot of things in life he said oh what i said was racist when i was talking about whatever literally in my mind i was picturing a kind of husky balding white dude with overalls on do you know doing whatever there was no racial element to it in my mind so i i think what you have to consider here is like i understand where you're coming from and like i believe that what you're thinking about is like some white redneck that can't read that's voting no i believe you 100 percent there i'm just saying i wasn't invoking any race no the image in my mind was was i think ubiquitous it was you know i think you look at so here here's a good example um there was a post that I saw a couple days ago from someone whom I don't remember their name, but it was talking of like some, the first comment was like, it's pretty ridiculous that for 
like for me to have to vote, I have to wait four or five hours in line. And the person who said that was a minority of some sort. And then a white person responded and said, well, I've never like, how hard it can it be? How can, how hard can it be really to vote? I've never had to wait more than like 30 minutes in line. Okay. But, but that's a person from a different area. We've already decided that locality has a lot to do with voting. The question is, is everybody in that area that was voting having to wait four hours in line? Because you either have the federal government decides on voting or the states decide on voting. True. So if you want the federal government to decide on voting, then we got to let them decide on voting. And, and then don't complain on fucking Twitter to the multiverse about voting. Complain to your state. So the problem is that if you live in a state where you're in the minority politically, and that could be Vermont or Texas, one way or the other, is that to try and demand equal treatment could be more or less difficult depending on the politics of your state. Look, the issue is that in the last 14 years, we've come, technology has moved very, very fast, forcing society, forcing government, forcing the economy, everything that's related to move very fast to catch up to catch up to technology, right? Mm -hmm. Now you have voting, which ballots used to be delivered by fucking horse and buggy back in the day. Well, 300 that, years ago. Not th 300 years ago. 100 and 100 Not years even ago, 100, probably. No, less, probably less than 100. Now, now, now things can be transmitted immediately. So... Let me ask you this question. Would you be okay with people being able to vote remote? Yes. If the 110%, if there was an identity verification aspect to it. So let's say you don't have an ID, but Hold you up. have a cell phone. Hold up. Well, one, you probably need some type of ID to get a cell phone, right? Like they don't just give cell phones to people, right? You, well, you, don't need, you, like, you can get a prepaid phone. You can get like Cricket Wireless or some shit, but you can't get T-Mobile, AT&T, Verizon. You can't get a real cell phone account where they extend you, you know, credit and that shit can go on your, on your credit if you don't pay. A real cell phone account if you don't have some type of verification. I'm pretty, pretty sure I didn't get ID'd when I got my T-Mobile account. Uh, dude. I just went to AT&T the other day to like change something on my account. She asked for my ID five times. Really? Yes. In that of my wallet, in that of my wallet. And ultimately I was just like, we're just going to leave it here. So, <laughs> okay. If that's what it is to get a fucking cell phone, voting is way more important to everybody than my cell phone number. But the, the issue is that you have to have some type of identification, identity verification. The problem is, is that we're dealing with the U.S. government. And if you've been to any U.S. government, any .gov website, if you had to file for unemployment, if you had to do any of this shit, you realize how terribly shitty it is. You can have a way better, way more fluid experience on fucking Taco Bell-KFC.com than you can at any website that ends in .gov. So that's a, that's a U.S. issue. And it's it's taking because it's so bureaucratic and so slow and just this convoluted whatever the bullshit so why do happens. you think that is because of us 
<laughs> like there's what do you mean of us like no the, the because we're not an answer the, i'm trying to lead you to well the, the answer is democracy and not dictatorship no what's your answer See, my the, answer is before anything can happen we have to make up our minds we have to make our minds somebody else has to make up their mind they make up their mind they have to get together make a vote the people above them have to make up their mind then some shit's gonna happen then it's gonna be outsourced to somebody else then you got a bunch of people in jail making fucking hand sanitizer everybody pissed in the fucking vat everybody gets hand sanitizer it's it's just very convoluted okay so the simple answer as to why government websites are generally worse than comparable websites for consumer goods i hope your answer is not going to be traffic no it isn't okay. is that consumer websites in in a in some form of capitalism are all competing against each other. And so you have Taco Bell K KFC or whatever, they're trying to win market share. And so they need to make their website better than others. I see where, I see where you're going with this. So it, with it's a, it's any government website or whatever, the, they're by definition operating as a monopoly. Well, yes. And, and so and that's there's the little incentive. To, that's why the product doesn't have to be as good. There's little incentive to improve the product or the user experience oh. when consumers don't have any choice. I and just so, want to shout out, hold up, pause one second. I, I just want to shout out to a couple of people who are live and have been hanging in there for a minute. But I want James finish what you're saying. No, go ahead. Well, I, I want to shout out Let Love Rain, who's just crushing it on TikTok. Thank you very much. Uh, Jenny on uh, Instagram, Lisa, hopefully David didn't piss off Lisa too much. I see Doria here. I see Maria. I see Peter. Thank you guys for being part of this. What's up, Drawer? Uh, thank you guys for hanging in there. It got a little heated a little while ago. Kitchen, uh, kitchen flames have been put out. Food's, <laughs> food's ruined. Food's ruined, but the flames are out. So go ahead, James. So when yeah you have government websites that don't have to cater to a user experience because users don't have any other choice and so you can put that on the government and say you guys need to do better and they do um but that's something where we need to do two things one is we need to hold the individual agencies that are in charge of those websites accountable and two is probably those agencies need better funding. And I can talk from my own personal experience in the accounting world, having dealt with clients that have IRS issues and the amount of time it takes just to be able to reach somebody on the other side, on the IRS side, to be able to resolve the issue. There's been times where I've spent an hour and a half or two hours just on hold. And that's not the client's fault. It's the government's fault for not putting the money into the agencies. And so. Sure, sure. Uh, but look, I, you know, I had a conversation with somebody today who came up to my desk three times and I had my headphones in and he was like talking to me I'm like, no, bro, look, I got, I got the fucking pod in my head. I'm on hold. And he's like, you're always on hold. I'm like, because like I got to call these big companies and do all this bullshit. And same go, you know, say in that respect, same goes from the federal government, the IRS or, you know, whoever to 
Verizon because they're big companies. The bigger the company is, the more bureaucratic, the more people they have to serve. But I'm leaving Verizon for AT&T. And I've had AT&T since, I don't know, 2003 or something. So. But nobody, but look, I, I'm curious if you guys are watching us live. TikTok, my eyeline is over here. I know you see me this way, but I, TikTok, you're over here for me. Instagram, you're here for me. Guys, do you think having to have an ID, having to have a, any ID is that much of a barrier of entry when it comes to voting? or anything in life because remember you can't have life you can't live a life without some form of id and that's that's where i think you and i disagree because where we grew up and the life lives that we've lived your answer is correct think about where we grew up and then think about the no your answer is correct but we're missing out on a lot of people out there no, but, but, but when you say a lot, you mean relatively not very many. I, no, you I'm mean I'm like talking, a lot, like more than you can count on, you know, a couple of hands. And, and no, but, th- th- but again, you're talking also about a, a, a hard minority. Let me I I've driven around. So I live in South Carolina. Now, Charleston is a pretty metropolitan city, but. There's lots of parts of South Carolina that I have driven through or visited that look straight out of the 1940s or the 1950s. I and know. a lot of the people there look like they're also straight out of the 1940s or it, 1950s. It, remind, it reminds me of To Kill a Mockingbird where, you know, what's her name? And it go to, what's his name? And they got the Schiffer robe and they got to break it down. That's legit what I think of when you drive through these out, out when you if you just drive north west of Charleston, not on a major highway, you're going to think to kill a mockingbird. You got to break down a shift road, right? right? So, but those I don't communities. That, I don't think that's the vast majority of the country. And I no, 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 no. But the point is that this is not an insignificant portion of the country. But if somebody's not willing to produce a birth certificate to get what if you don't have one? How many people do you think are home birthed and not registered with the state? Is there? Can we can we figure out the number of home births per year? No, I'm sure we could, but that's not that's not material to the discussion. The point that I'm making is that the 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 disenfranchised people, white or black, in in these communities that you or I have really only ever visited by accident just because we haven't because we haven't exposed ourselves to them doesn't mean that they don't exist and sure but i i think there's i'm not i'm not saying there's not a lot of them out there but it it sounds like these people that don't have iphones and don't have internet and don't have tv probably don't know what day is november 6th they might not and if they miss voting day because they weren't paying attention fine but if they know that the day to vote is november 6th even if they don't have an iphone even if they don't have a car even if they don't have a tv if they don't have id whether you like it or not whether you think that these people should be voting well that's not the law the law is that they should be voting 
they might vote in a way that I disagree with. And no, I'm not, but that's my point is I don't I'm not politics aside, politics aside. Completely politics aside. If these people are keeping track of their time on a fucking sundial, you know, with like some some chalk, you know, in the wherever the fuck they are. Let me ask a different question. Because, to hold, you. Up, hold up, because we're painting a picture of these people like they're cavemen. Well, some of them kind of are. And then we're saying they're an inter, inter, integral part of society. No, I'm not saying they're an integral part of society. What I'm saying is that they're a part of society that shouldn't be ignored. Well, hold up, because here's my issue is like I want. I want to continue the conversation, right? And we can conti- continue it now, but if you want, but I want to continue the conversation. I, I was wishing I could I could say, hey, TikTok, hey, Instagram, hey, Facebook. Are you one of these people? <laughs> But, well, th- but the answer but is going to be no, because they're watching us. Or do you know people like this? I, I know people like this. How Not personally, you, but I've encountered them. Or you drive by their, their shacks. I've encountered them. Where? Not necessarily in Charleston. But let me ask you this question. Because I think I, I want to reframe this discussion. Let me ask you. Is it better for more people to vote or less people to vote? That's a really good question. Answer it. The question is, when you're making cookies, do you want to have more sugar or less sugar? No, answer my question. Hold up, Don't... hold up, hold up, hold up. Before I answer your question, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the playing field here. When you're baking cookies, is it better to have more sugar or less sugar? The answer is not that simple. The answer is not more sugar. The answer is not less sugar. The answer is I need to do some fact finding. Right? No, no. The answer for cookies is that there's a there's an appropriate amount of sugar. There's an appropriate amount of sugar per but, whatever else. So when right. it comes to voting, is it better to have more people vote or less people vote? The answer is to have as many people vote as possible. And the caveat is possible. And the, and the caveat is we want American citizens voting. How do you verify somebody is an American citizen? How do we verify they're voting in the right in the right region? How do we verify they're voting in the right polling station? And and and, and you can't say more sugar because when you're talking about cookies, sugar sounds good. When you talk about voting, people no. sound good. No, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. When you're talking about cookies, sugar sounds good. The problem is if you're not putting in more flour, you're not putting in more salt, you're not putting in more eggs. It doesn't work. So you can't just have more people voting or degenerates and derelicts. And 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 that's and when you don't have a rein in on who is voting, then then you can say there's all this voter fraud. So there's got to be some standard. My thing but there is, isn't it, voter fraud. My thinking is there is voter fraud. There's not that much of it. Do you know what the incidence rate of voter fraud is? Very low. But the, but that's not Give me what, like one in a hundred, one in a thousand. I would say less than one percent. But the issue it, it's it's. One in like three to seven million. Okay, but if you watch any of the the right wing news stations, it's it, you're you're hearing you're hearing okay. the million number. You're hearing the million okay. number out of three hundred and fifty million, right? Like right, right, right. Not, which is so less than a percentage, but, but, but right. you're so hearing million. They're exaggerating. They're yes. So yes. why why are they exaggerating it? To prove to prove whatever the point is. 
What's their point? Why are they exaggerating? Voting needs to be tied to the social security number. And the social security number needs to stop being called the social security number. You have to have, there has to. You think when we watch these futuristic movies where people have some number imprinted on their neck or imprinted on their arm, and we're like, oh, that would be wild to have. You have a fucking social security number, dick. Right? Like, that's, that's your number. All right? It's not printed on you, but, like, it, it's your number. All right? It's also your credit score. You know, my credit score, James, dropped 41 points. From what? Uh, eight twenty-two to seven uh eighty-one. Well, you're beating me right now because I'm at like seven fifty-four, but a very good score. Yeah, I was like close to eight hundred. <laughs> yeah, I was I was doing good, but um, I'm just well. All right, so I think I I think we need to take Rosh's advice here. Um and find a way to kind of wrap this up and we can kind of touch bait touch back on this on tuesday because it's a really good discussion um but, but and, and i feel like when david joins we kind of parry and joust around this super liberal perspective which david carries and i don't think he understands that he carries a super no he does that? well but i don't think he's been put in a position where you have to put your liberal views aside well, so let me look, I'm, I'm going to say I'm actually quite liberal as well. Probably not quite as liberal as the DERF, but I'm, but I'm also pretty liberal too. It's just that as a business owner, I've run into issues where now I can't hire anybody yet. I know 27 people who are on unemployment and not making money and complaining they can't get jobs. Separate discussion. So when I was taking my when I was taking my business law class. Oh, who would never admit they're on unemployment now, right? In August, 2021. But would okay. tell me all about unemployment in August, 2020. So when I was taking my business law class, it was taught by a lawyer at the College of Charleston. And one of the things he said, which I still don't know whether or not it's true, but I thought it was really thought provoking. He says, the more you know about any given subject, the more likely you are to be conservative about it. Interesting. Actually, really good point. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's can really made can me you think. quote him on that or you think that came from somewhere else? I don't know where he got it from. I don't know if it was an original concept or like something that he derived on his own or if he pulled it from some other source, but... It's something that stuck with me, not necessarily because I agree with it, because I think it's thought provoking. So I think that when it comes to any issue whatsoever, you can look at the people that are weighing in on it. And the first thing that you want to assess is expertise. That I mean, I have so many conversations with so many different people all day long. And the one thing I'm always grasping for is, does this person know what the fuck they're talking about? And so, like, let me, let, let me give an example from my own life. So when it comes to taxes, which I've worked for the last three years, and I consider myself to be very good when it comes to knowing how taxes work. 
I still hold a pretty liberal perspective on that, despite knowing a lot about it. So I'm not sure that he's right about that, but there are other things that I think he might be. <coughs> and when it comes to voter fraud, which has been a really hot button issue for the last eight to 12 months. I don't think voter fraud is a big issue, by the way. I don't think people are signing in under my name. No, no, it, it just like doesn't it, happen. There's got to be a certain. So I the, the but so you have to look and say, but you got to appease everybody. You got to appease. There's got to be on. Eye on it. So so there's two questions that you have to ask when you're talking to somebody. The first one we've already addressed is what's this person's level of expertise? The second question that you need to ask is you need to say, what is their angle? What are they looking to get out of this interaction? What are they looking to achieve? Well, everybody now has an agenda. There's no everyone, iteration. not now. Everyone has always had an agenda. So I think why David got mad and he brought up the Joe Rogan thing is Joe Rogan is pretty much open to information. What well, I was yeah, doing Joe Rogan just doesn't question anything that comes across his desk. Clearly, clearly. And I don't, I, you know, I, but I also don't typically have my mind made up on a lot of things and I'm also bald. Okay. But, but I have experience in a lot of different aspects of life and I have a perspective on things, right? So I know that there's a lot of people out there that want to have voter ID laws and want to have, and want to rein in. So this, I don't think, and I, I can so tell you, the question is what's their thing. motivation? Can, Why? But I can tell you if you were to just to randomly walk into a mall, the mall of America, where's that? What's Minnesota. If you walk into the mall of America and you have a, you know, a clipboard and everybody's going to walk around you either way, you get somebody's attention. You're like, do you think people should have IDs in order to vote? You think there should be some type of barrier of entry to voting? Most people are going to say yes. You think there should? Well, it I'm not saying it. I'm saying depends on how you frame this question. I'm saying you're polling. Okay, again, depends. Because on how if you say, it. do you think there should be a barrier of entry to voting? You're probably going to get a much lower response rate than saying, do you think that you should have to have an ID to vote? Okay. All the right, way cool. that you phrase a question cool. will drastically alter. And then, and then, it, even if you were to follow up, and but either way. All right, Rosh has given us the wind up sign. Right. And so we, so we got to want James. Can I keep you on for uh, for a couple minutes after uh, after we wrap live? I'll tell you what. While you're doing that, I need to pour myself another drink and probably take a leak. So that's perfect timing. All right. So I'm going to call this the out for the the hard out for the podcast. Uh, Rosh, we'd love to have you stay on if you can. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna crush the live. Thank you guys, by the way, who have lasted this long in a live. You you saw you saw the. It's like a bonfire when you throw a, a stick with some dynamite in it. Uh, <laughs> Brings um, me back. It's no, it's like a bonfire when you throw some heavy brush on there and, and the, the fire erupts and some people are like, it's too hot for me. Yeah, no, for I like having David. I, I, I actually really enjoyed David's perspective, but he got he got really, uh, really passionate, really fired up. And, and then he exited himself. But uh, but James, hang on. Everybody is watching us live. Thank you for joining. Everybody who is watching us live or listening to us after the fact, make sure you guys subscribe, you like, you comment on the podcast. Any interaction is super appreciated. I will see you next time. I appreciate every ounce of calories you poured on me when it came to the fast food questionnaire. 
the questionnaires. So thank you guys. I'm gonna kill the uh, the lives, James. If you gotta go, you gotta go. Adios, everybody who's alive. All right, that concludes the episode. Episode is over. Who's right? Who's wrong? Let me know what you think about having some requirement for ID for some type of identification when it comes to voting. See ya. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.